going to pick up in, uh, in Mark chapter 1, around verse 12. And this is right after, uh, just do a little quick recap. This is right after uh, uh, John the Baptist is announcing that, uh, that Jesus is coming and that he's the Son of God. And um, then he, uh, he, he baptizes him, even though he doesn't want to baptize him because he doesn't feel like, like he's worthy to baptize Jesus. He actually said he's not even worthy to unloosen the straps of his sandals. So um, Jesus convinces John the Baptist to baptize him. He goes under the water, and when he comes out of the water, he sees that the heaven tore open, and, and he hears a voice from God saying, You are my son, in whom I am well pleased. So this is a, a huge moment in Jesus' life. Just put yourself in Jesus' shoes for a minute. You know what I mean? Imagine if you get baptized, you come out of the water, you see the heavens rip open, and, and you hear the voice of God tell you, you're my son, <coughs> you're my daughter, and who I'm well pleased. You know what I mean? It's very, it's very affirming. To just hear that from an earthly parent would be very affirming. So, you know, just, just imagine if you heard it from God. So right at this point, right after he comes out of, out of the water, right when his hair's still wet, verse 12 and 13 says, Immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered to him. So when I first, the first time I read this, I was like, whoa, this is, this is crazy. This is really what's happening. Like he just, he just told him, you're my son and who I'm well pleased. And now he's, he's being led into the wilderness by the same Holy Spirit that fell on him and descended on him and stayed on him like a dove. This same Holy Spirit, the spirit of the voice of God that just told him, you're my son and who I'm well pleased, is now making him go out into the wilderness to starve himself for 40 days, to be isolated for 40 days. And not only that, but to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. So, I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling to me, but we're gonna, uh, we're gonna dive a little deeper and try and figure out why that happened, why that had to happen. And as far as uh, Mark chapter one goes, we're, we're, not, we're not gonna get past these two verses because this is a, 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 significant, um, a significant moment in Jesus' life and it's significant to all of our lives too. So what I wanna do is look at it in the, Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke too. And, uh, and we'll just dig in and I'll, I'll probably have uh, some people read a couple lines. So um, if you want to get ready for that, just open up to, uh, to Matthew chapter 4 and, uh, and I'll let you know when we're going to read that. But I just wanted to, to just talk about the word immediately. So immediately, like right away after his baptism, um, Jesus was led into, uh, into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. He was tested by the devil. He endured 40 days of fasting and temptations and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the three different types of temptations that, that he had to endure, which we're going to read, where, uh, you know, if, if you hear them, they, they don't seem like they're, they're crazy temptations or like they would be sins in and of themselves. But um, he's asked to, uh, to turn stones into bread to relieve. Well, you know what? Let's, let's just read it. Let's read it first, and then we'll get into that. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11 is where we're going to start. And uh, patience, why don't you read the first... Let me see. Why don't you read the first two verses, okay. and I'm going to break it down like that. So nice and loud, verse 1 and verse 2. All right, so he was tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. Uh, I just want to mention at that point, I, I did a little bit of research, and I have it in my notes somewhere, but I'm probably not going to stick to them. So um, the fact that 
that Matthew is is uh, is saying that he's hungry at that point is because if you I don't know if you ever fasted, but 40 days is a long time, and it's it's actually hard for a human being to go 40 days without food. But after you fast for a certain amount of time, your body gets used to the fast, and you don't feel hungry. So once you start to feel hungry again after you fasted for so long, your body's actually starving itself to death at that point. So you're 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 actually doing harm to yourself. So. That's why, uh, that's why they wanted to mention that Jesus was hungry at that point. All right, so um, verse 3 and 4, let me read those real quick. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All right, then, uh, well, Nick, you, uh, you got it open? Yeah. You want to read 5 and 6? Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear up thee up. Lest at any time thou dash thy food, they put against a, a stone. Okay, so uh, this, is, this is the devil coming at Jesus again. And Jesus' response is in verse 7. So Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. All right. Now in verse 8, he tempts him a, a, another time. Uh, Chris, you want to take that? Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Okay, keep going. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Okay, cool. So that's uh, that's Matthew's account of, of those two lines that Mark mentioned. So Matthew goes into a little bit more detail, and Luke goes into a little bit more detail. But let me pause here for a minute. Um, and this is what I wanted to say before. So the three temptations that, uh, that Jesus experienced, one was to turn uh, stones into bread. The other one was... Um, if you uh, if you go up on onto this uh, to this mount or, or to this uh, to the peak of the temple and throw yourself down, his angels will come and catch you. And the third one was uh, he took him up to the mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of, of the earth. And he was like, if you worship me, I'll give you all these king all these kingdoms. So these uh, these three temptations are designed to distract Jesus from doing the will of God. Jesus overcame these tests each and every one by drawing from Scripture and using the word of God as a weapon, and the devil had to flee. So Jesus sets the perfect example for us when it comes to, uh, to withstanding the devil, and uh, the, the reason why he had, to, you know, he, had to, he had to do all this and go through these temptations and withstand the devil was so that he could, uh, he could later on teach us how to pray, lead us not into temptation. The reason why he was able to say that is because he already withstood those temptations for us. So the way that, uh, the, way that the devil tried to come at Jesus each and every time was by twisting scripture and the way that Jesus fought against the devil each and every time was by using scripture. All right, so temptation is uh, is just a, a way to entice a person to get them to act contrary to God's will. And, uh, you know, obedience is essential. We need to be obedient when we're walking with the Lord. Um, so um, I have some notes here. Let me, let me try and gather myself. Uh, each temptation in the wilderness had to do with Jesus using his power for his own gain. All right, so that's important to know because there would have been no love involved 
and Jesus only operates in love. So I think what I'm trying to say here by that note is if you look at all three of those temptations, they're all things that Jesus could have done and, and will eventually do anyway, but the devil was trying to get him to do them for, for his own gain. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, turn, turn stones into bread um, to feed his own flesh. You know what I mean? Uh, take over the kingdoms of the world without, without going to the cross first and, uh, and throw yourself down and actually uh, show the people that God can, can perform miracles on your behalf. If Jesus would have done any of those, he would have been doing them for his for himself and not in a, in a on a uh, on a personal level with people. And Jesus only worked in love and in and in relationships. So, I mean, it's important to uh, to note that. Um, let's see, temptation is is bad for us only when we give in. All right, so we shouldn't hate or resent times of uh, of temptation or inner testing. Because through them, God can strengthen our, our character and teach us valuable lessons. So when we find ourselves in these trials, when we find ourselves going through hard times, when we find ourselves being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, we shouldn't always like, uh, like feel sorry for ourselves or say, woe is me. Um, the Bible even says in, uh, in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says, My brothers, uh, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So that's the book of James is written by mm -hmm. this guy named James, who, who's not James the, the apostle. He's actually Jesus' brother. And uh, Jesus' brother didn't even believe in who Jesus was until after he was raised from the dead and he saw him again. So he grew up with, uh, with Jesus his whole entire life. He was his big brother, and he just didn't even believe who he was. But now he's telling you him. He's telling you that when you find yourself in a situation like this, you should count it all joy. So every part of it. Um, so the devil is the tempter. Uh, the devil is real. Um, he's a created being. He's an intelligent created being, and, and he's completely evil. And, uh, you know, he's directly involved in perpetrating evil in our lives personally and in the world. And, um, you know, what the devil really wants is for us to not believe that he exists. So if you don't believe that the devil exists, then he already has you where he wants you. Um, Jesus said that the devil is the father of lies. So if you believe in Jesus and you believe that every word Jesus says is true, then you have to believe that the devil is real. If not, you're calling God a liar. So the devil is a fallen angel. He used to be named Lucifer. Uh, it said that he used to be uh, the worship leader in, in heaven. So he was a, a beautiful angel. He had a beautiful voice. Um, it, was, uh, it was pride that got him kicked out of heaven because... He wanted the worship for himself. He didn't want to. He didn't want to point it to uh, to God. So that's why pride is like the the number one sin. We need to watch and make sure that everything we do, we point to Jesus. We point to God. Um, <clears throat> so uh, let's see. Uh, so the testimony of Jesus is that the devil is a powerful being, who even tempted him. All right. So we believe Jesus, right? Yeah. Sure. Because I feel like that's important. Um, yeah. Like, how many of us have gone into a trial and said, all right, going in head in, going into the trial head on mm. and saying to God, all right, what do you got for me? Um, when I had the cancer. Right. And I was going through the treatments and everything. And I finally, I never blamed God for having the cancer. But there were many times I said, all right, what do you got for me today? Yeah. Or who do I have to bless when I'm going through my chemo? Sure. 
when going through the trials, yeah, we're going to be tempted, but if we turn it around, because temptation and sin is evil, but if we turn the temptation around to a positive, like, I can complete this, like, you know, like in football, when you play football, whatever you do, a game, and you're competitive, we have to learn to be competitive against the enemy, mm. you know, and realize when, when something's coming at us that we know is wrong, and we know, all right, I'm going to be tempted right here, to really just put on the armor of God mm. and fight and say, all right, here's my challenge for today, or this is Amen. my challenge for the month that I'm trying to get through. Definitely. Or, in my case, for two years, that's whatever it is. You know, and then ask the question, what does God want us to see in the challenge, in, in the um, trial? Right. You know, because there's lessons, we all know there's lessons to be learned in the trial, but while you're going through it, there's lessons to be learned. Sure. Not, not only after, you know, so when, when it talks about, um, you know, I have been going to trials, but mm. be of good cheer. Mm. To me, I feel like that's what it is. Okay, what's the challenge? How am I going to get through it? And it doesn't mean like I'm happy that I had cancer, but be of good cheer. Like, all right, tell me, God, what am I doing today when I go get my chemo treatment? Right. Who's going to be sitting next to me? Sure. And I've had times where there were people that I knew I had talked to, and I was there. And, and so in a trial, there's, there's a lot of good. We just have to find it, and we have to take the challenge. Like anything else. Right, exactly. Amen. Thank God for bringing you through that. Thank God for healing you. And uh, no, you're 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 100 right because it's it's real easy to praise Him when you're on a mountaintop. You know, what I mean, it's real easy to praise God when everything's going right in your life, and uh, you know you're not sick. You have your health. Uh, finances are okay. The family's okay. It's real easy to run around and, and tell everybody how how great God is. And you know, you could still be a good witness in that situation, but now here you're talking about going through chemo, and physically people could see that, that you're that you're dealing with this disease. You're going through chemo. You're going in the hospital. All the people around you are probably down, but at that point you're in the valley, literally the valley of the shadow of death, and 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 you're and you're exalting God at that point. I mean, that really sends a loud message. So. Right. I'm like, this is only a test. You know? So we have to look at it that way. Yeah. Sure. That, Absolutely. That, what she said there is hard because, at least for me, I won't even know I'm in a trial. Yeah. I feel like I'm just going through the rut of life. And yeah. you mentioned a very key thing is like when you're in a sports game. I play baseball, right? And like the good thing about sports is that the clock runs out, the game's over, you're done, there's the next game, you know? You're in life, there's no, there's no, clock there's no whistle there's nothing to indicate hey like you're in it right now this is it right you know so i feel like again with also Vinny, thinking back to what Vinny said is that the devil wants to make you realize that you don't even know he exists mm -hmm. so as me being a christian me being you know just a person i'm sure all of us relate when is the bells go off when does the whistle the horn sounds that you're in a trial right now you're going through it and when do it tell you like you're not going through like you you said two years yeah I can't even imagine, I know that's chemo, that's a very tough situation, yeah. and, but relating to everyday person, like, how do you know you're even going through a trial versus mm -hmm. like a regular day thing, like, 
oh, my car got towed or something like that. Is that a trial? Or you go, you're going through a patient? You know what right, I mean? Right, right. Like, where does something like, hey, wake up, you're in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you know if you're in it? Or how do you know when to talk about God? Like, God rested for um, fast for 40 days. Yeah. And then you said the Spirit led him. So right. that's, you know, that's a significant, that's very significant. It's not just like he wandered. It's like, sure. look, a Spirit led him into, like, hey, this is the next door you're about to go through. There you go. You know what I mean? Like, where is that, at least for me, I have trouble trying to find, where is that, like, where's that, like, signal? Where is that next, like, thing that pops up? Like, hey, you're in it right now. This is it. Wake right. up. Like, start fasting. Because 40 days is, a, is, a, is a, a significant number in the Bible. Yeah. That's a, that's a, a number of testament. Like, you're about to go through something. Like, this is it right here. So I'm trying to figure out where's that number 40 apply to mm. in everyday life as a Christian? Where is that number? Because it could be 40 days. It could be two years. Mm. It could be a week. It could be an hour. Like, it could be anything. So as Christians, how do we identify us? Like, hey, this is it. Wake up. I, I, I think, think yeah. like, the, the, the answer almost is like, is like, as you said, like, as a Christian, like, when someone's living in the world and they're going through crazy stuff, you know, that's like, that's just, they're going through crazy stuff. But as believers, I feel like that's us being tested in the sense of, like, this is, like, uh, the verse that comes to my head, uh, I forget the address, but through trials and tribulations, build perseverance. Mm-hmm. Uh, perseverance, car- uh, hope, and hope brings character. Yeah, it's later on in James. Yeah. I think it's like around one twelve or something like that. To me, that that comes to my head whenever something's going on. Mm-hmm. Like I've had my fair share. I haven't went through cancer. I mean, God bless you. That's amazing. Yeah, but man. like, what it comes down to is like, to me, it's almost like when you're going through it. I know that there's light on the other side. I know that Jesus is is working in me. I feel like. Like, being going through trials as a Christian can speak so many more different levels opposed to anything else. Because it's like, now you are a representation to fellow brothers and sisters of like, yes, I'm in trial, but I'm giving it to him. Now it's like, wow, I don't even know how they're going through that right, right. now. And they're in such good spirits. That's that's the difference between someone who's just walking in the world and someone who's walking with him. They're <coughs> able to take those trials and tribulations and take them to the chest and know that they are, that he's in the storm with you. Amen. So, and, then, amen. and then also, you're, I think what you're asking is how do we know that you're in the trial? Yeah. I mean, there's trials every day. Like for 12 years, I had big trials every year, every year, every year. I got bombarded and they were big. But there's little trials every day. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're fighting with a, a, a loved one or something and that could be a trial because you're going through it for like a month and you don't know how to figure out how to mend the relationship. So that's considered a trial. Like you're going you're going through something that you're trying to figure out how to make it right. Now, for cancer, I couldn't make it right. I had to lean on the Lord and I lean on medication. But when you're going through something that you know is hard, that's when you know. I mean, your car breaks down and you're in the middle of 95 or whatever and uh, that's, a, that's a trial. If you're a person that's not patient, if you're a person that nurses, if you're a person sure. that's going to get out of the car and start screaming at whomever, that's a, that's a little trial. I mean, that's a trial to show your faith. What's going to come out of your mouth? How are you going to respond? You know, oh my gosh. Yeah, what comes out when you get squeezed? Yeah, exactly. So you're going you're to manifest Jesus when you get squeezed? Or, or you're going to get crushed? So uh, I think we're always in a trial. I think as, as, as long as we're on this earth, you know what I mean? They say everything is temporal down, temporal down here. You know what I mean? We're it's, we're in a temporary state. We're all eternal. We're all created for eternity. So we're all either waiting to go to, to heaven or hell. You know what I mean? In the meantime, <coughs> this is like, uh, I like to think about it like boot camp. You know what I mean? Or, 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 or like a training a training session, but just a really long one. 
and the word that comes to mind is perseverance, because perseverance, when it, when I when I looked it up in a book I was reading last semester, it, it's it the way it described it was, it was like a it, it said a manly fortitude, but nothing against women. That's just how it, a manly fortitude, like a soldier marching into battle, you know, left, right, left, right, taking whatever blows the enemy throws at you, and just you know, for lack of better words, just chewing them up and spitting them out, and and the perseverance that the, the part of it that that got me was just this picture of the soldier going into battle, taking blows, and having every opportunity to just lay down because the trials are getting harder and harder, but he knows that, you know, that hill that he's about to take is where he wants to spend eternity. He don't want to spend it in that ditch. So what we got to do is keep pushing our way through all these little trials that life, uh, that life throws at us. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, I mean, the Bible actually tells us that no matter how, how we get tempted, or, or how many trials that we're in, God's only going to give us what we can deal with, even if it may seem hard to us at the time. And he's always going to provide us with an opportunity to flee. If you guys want to turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13. verse 13. <laughs> Somebody wants to read that for me. That's, that's a good one, and that, that basically talks about what we're just saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Somebody read it nice and loud whenever you've got it. Got you got it? Yeah. Come on. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Amen. So basically what that's saying is, like, whatever temptation you may be feeling, you're not the only one that's ever experienced it. I know a lot of us and a lot of people like to say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what, what life throws at me. Uh, you won't be able to deal with what I was going through. Part of that's true, you know what I mean? But Jesus understands everything that everybody's going through, you know? Is that, sorry, is that one of the reasons why God was man? I sure. Mean, he, he went through every, everything we feel, everything mm. we feel, every problem yes. we have, every, everything we go through. Amen. When we come to him, he knows, you know, how we feel. Um, it says in Hebrews that he was tempted in every way. I got something. Yeah. Right, so, <laughs> I so got that too. Yeah. Well, he understands us, but how is it? Everything we go through, he understands because he, he went through it. That's that. Uh, Hebrews 4.15. I actually got it, like, right here. And, and you answered a question. That I was about to ask, but let's see what Pastor Valco has. Well, I was just I was just going to say that back to that scripture because that was what I memorized when I was first in Teen Challenge. We were all made to memorize scriptures, which thank God because they're still with me 50 years from now. Amen. Uh, there's no temptation taking you, or I, I memorize it in the King James. <laughs> no temptation has taken you or come upon you, but that which is common to man. So that means we can never say. Did you ever hear people say, or maybe you've said it? No one understands what I'm going through. Yeah. We, we always want, the, the biggest lie is that what you're experiencing as a temptation or a trial is so unique to you that no one can understand. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that there are other people that are going through the exact same thing. I may not understand, you know, what you're going through. You might not understand what I'm going through. But there are people in the world that are going through uh, what you have been through and have come out victorious. That should be an encouragement, that common to man. So it's a common experience. But then, then the other promise is, it's a great verse, right? Should, should be one to memorize. Uh, but he will, with the temptation, provide a way of escape. Mm -hmm. 
Now, we usually put like a period there, but it's a comma. He'll provide a way of escape so that you can be free from all pressure and pain. No, it doesn't say that. So that you might be able to bear it or endure it. Mm -hmm. So we don't like that last part. <laughs> In other words, if you're going to provide a way of escape, I'm going to clean escape the whole thing so that I'm living in just total uh, happiness and you know, there's no pressure. And so yeah. the escape from yeah. temptation is into an area where God's grace is sufficient enough for you to endure it and bear it. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to go back to, you were bringing it up, and this is such an important point to remember, that everything Jesus did, he did by way of an example for us. When we talked about him being baptized in water, yep. he never needed to repent because he was the pure, perfect, sinless son of God. So, but he, was, he set an example, let it be so. He said to John the Baptist, let it be permitted, permit it to be so, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness, right? So we know that. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon him and anoints him. Well, if you're God the Son, let's say it that way, you know, does God the Son need an anointing of the Holy Spirit? That's an interesting question, right? Yeah, yeah. Technically, no, you know, because you have all power and all authority in your identity. But remember, he was 100% man, 100% God, so he's setting us an example. So even his anointing is, is an example. Then the Holy Spirit leads him. I know that Matthew says he was driven, but I, I think it's better driven, led by the Spirit out into the wilderness, not driven like in a demonic way, but led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke tells us that, yeah. led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So what's the, what's the temptation all about? That's perfecting the anointing. So you notice the sequence. He receives the power of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's tested, and then he comes out of the wilderness with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so well, he's setting an example for us. Sometimes there's an anointing. You can see this in David's life. He's anointed. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. But he spends many, many years running from Saul and being tested and being tried. And then eventually he's exalted as the king over all of Israel. But that takes, if I remember my study correctly, about 14 okay. years, 20 years, something like that. It's many years that it happens. Again, we don't want any of that. We want, because we live in a, in a day of instantaneous yes. everything, Instant right? Instant gratification. So we want to receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and then we're going to go pastor a church of 5,000 like the next day, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. But just one more thought, and then I'll flip it back yes, to you. Yes. We're, we're lateraling the football, you know? Tag me in when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> the first two temptations in Matthew, it's interesting that Luke, re I don't know if you notice this, he kind of reverses the yeah, order. I'm, yeah, I'm actually going to go into I'll, that, too. I'll, I'll give that to you. Right. But the first two temptations, according to Matthew, is this phrase, if you are the Son of God. First two temptations. If you are the Son of God. So what in the world is the devil doing? He's trying to cast doubt in the mind of Jesus. So here's the question. If he's going to do that to Jesus Christ, God the Son, do you think he is not going to do the same thing to you? If you are the Son of God, then do thus and so. And the two first temptations are appetite and ambition. Appetite. Satisfy this appetite. It's a God-given appetite, but oh, I'm on your notes. Oh. I mean, the Holy Spirit's on your notes. <laughs> Satisfy this God-given <laughs> appetite, but do it now, quickly. Don't wait for God, you know. 
So for an example, I want to be married, but I'm going to have sex now. I better not go there, right? <laughs> I want to do it now because I want to satisfy this appetite, not just food, but I'm talking about the appetites. God created us with these appetites. So there's a lesson there. And ambition and glory and power and all of that, which was, which was due Jesus Christ anyway. But here's the essence of the temptation. The devil wants to say to you, if you are the son of God or the daughter of God. Well, remember when he was baptized in water? Remember when the Holy Spirit came upon him? What were the words that came from heaven? You remember? Son. You are my what? You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So God said, you are my son. The devil said, are you really? <laughs> so when we first get saved... We begin to find, man, I'm a son, I'm a daughter of God. And the devil says to you something like this. I'm paraphrasing. Have you ever heard this from the devil? If you really are a Christian, why has this happened to you? Yeah. Or why isn't your prayer has been answered yet? See, he's trying to cast doubt into our minds. Because if he can cause you to doubt who you are, your position as an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, we need to know who we are in God. The devil is always attacking that. Right. Because if we walked in the light of that, in fact, you, you might actually be so bold as to say that every time you ever fell into a temptation is because you weren't thinking about who you were as a Christian. I'm talking about Christians now. If you're not a believer, you know, that, that, that's, then you need to accept Christ as your Savior first. But every time that you fall into temptation and give in, it's because you don't, you're not acting in who you really are as a son and a daughter of God. Or you wouldn't do that, because if you knew who your position was or what your position was, you'd be completely fulfilled in that, not perfect, sinless perfect, but completely victorious. So every failure that we have is doubting who we are as a Christian. And the way that Jesus combated it was the word of God was in him. He was a living word, but the word, he didn't say, Devil, wait, wait a minute. Let's see. I, I'll be right back. I'll be back. And let me go find. I'm going to call somebody. <laughs> or let me see. Right here in the scrolls, in the back of the scrolls, it says what to do when, you know how we have these Bibles that say in times of this time. How many of you know the, the word of God just came rolling out of Jesus? Mm. You know, in other words, it was not just that he was the word of God. He knew the written word. It is written. It is written. It is written. And then he quotes the scripture. And the devil says, we can, I'll play that with you. And he quotes scripture back to Jesus. So that's crazy, isn't it? So yeah. that shows you that the devil knows scripture, but he twists it. So we must know the word of God. I'm sorry to steal all your notes. You got me. I'm done. <laughs> that, that, that was my whole lesson. Amen. <laughs> Kareem, no, that's no. all. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Just shut this down. <laughs> There's no, a lot no. more in there, brother. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I should just be quiet. Sure. <laughs> all right. No pressure. <laughs> you didn't have all that just I like did, that, did I you? Did, I did. I did. I did. <laughs> See, the same Holy Spirit lives all in right. here. So, while well, we covered all that, so, like, why, why, why was it necessary for Jesus to be tempted? What, let's, let's hear from you guys. Like, what, what, do, you, what do you think the, uh, the reason was? Go ahead, Chris. Well, being the second Adam. Yeah. Hmm. I got he, that here, too. You know, he, he, he was genuinely tempted. Hmm. Uh, in order to keep the law on our behalf and with his righteousness, he 
actually kept the whole law, even though he was tempted. Right. Amen. He yeah. sinful flesh, but he didn't have a sin nature at all. Amen. Very good. But he was tempted from without. We're tempted from without and within. Right. But he had no sin nature, but he was tempted from without. And so he kept the law in our place so that he could die a perfect lamb of God in our right. place. So, so that he, when God looks at us now, he sees him. He sees his righteousness. Right. So he was more... He was more tested than tempted, is what you're saying, right? He was, yeah. God can't be tempted because, right. like James says, God cannot be tempted. Right. And he won't tempt you with evil. Right. Allow. Anyway, that's... He had no sinful nature. He went right. through every... Like you said earlier, he was able to sympathize with us now as our mediator. He knows what it's like to be tempted and to suffer. Sure. And so he can plead to the Father on our behalf in times of need. So, yeah. Amen. Yeah, I put a couple I put a couple things down. So temptation's a part of being a human and Jesus was fully human and fully God. So, you know, in order to identify with us, he had to go through everything that we went through. Jesus wouldn't ask us to do anything that he didn't do himself, which is why he got baptized. Um, and uh, you know, he's our helper and he knows just what we need because he's been through the same experiences. You mentioned Hebrews four fifteen that says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he can sympathize with every one of our weaknesses. He can sympathize with the with the trials and tribulations that we go through. You mentioned Jesus being the second Adam. I, I wrote something about that too. So, um, you know, Jesus had to undo what Adam did. So in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan. They were tempted to eat the forbidden the fruit off the forbidden tree. Uh, they fell into that temptation, and uh, and they passed sin on to the whole human race because of it. So Jesus is also, he's also referred to as the second Adam, uh, <coughs> the way Chris said it. And, uh, you know, he had to resist Satan, and through his victory of resisting Satan, that makes salvation available to all of us. We're all descendants of Adam and Eve, so we all reap the benefits of Jesus resist, resisting these temptations in the wilderness. So he kind of undid what Adam did. So that was a good point, Chris. Uh, Romans 5, 12 through 15 kind of touches on that. Anybody want to read them a couple verses real quick? The book of Romans chapter 5, 12 through 15. Chapter 5, verse 12 through 15. Yep. Therefore, just as So that's, that's a very good uh, couple of uh, lines over there. And basically what it's saying is that uh, even though Adam is the one that committed that original sin, 
every one of his descendants after him, everybody that's been alive after him, still paid the consequences, still died. So we didn't commit that sin, but because of his sin, we still died. Sin leads to death. We commit our own sins, obviously, but and, and what, what Paul, the Apostle Paul, is trying to say in his letter is if, uh, if that one sin that Adam committed, who was a human, affected the whole human race, how much more what Jesus Christ does for us can that affect our whole human race? Because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So because, because we all die from that one sin, how much more likely is it that we can all be saved by the sacrifice that Jesus made? Amen. All right, so I kind of wanted to just go into Luke now and kind of like uh, read it, uh, like maybe a, a line at a time. And I had a couple of notes on here. I'll see if they're different than Pastor Valco's. <laughs> I don't have any notes from No that. notes. <laughs> this guy's good, man. <laughs> All right, so uh, Luke chapter 4. Can I, is everybody in, in Luke chapter 4? Shantina, you there? Want, come on, get there. Read verse 1 and 2. Come on. I want to hear your voice. <laughs> Verse 1 and 2. Come on. Luke chapter 4. Obey your father and mother. <laughs> okay, Bill, you read it. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. He was to eat nothing all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil Wait, hold, hold on, sorry, but I just wanted you yeah, I just wanted you to do a couple verses at a time. You're good. So uh the first two verses we, we, we said that the that the Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness and this was because because uh, God had a uh, a purpose for Jesus in the wilderness. He he needed him to go out there so he could be tested. He was gonna be the savior of the world, so that the savior of the world needed to be tested. Um so I, I mentioned earlier that uh, that Jesus was starving. He was hungry. Both uh, Luke and Matthew tell us that he's hungry. And uh, what I what I noticed about that is that the devil shows up at our most vulnerable times. You know what I mean? So he could have showed up any time in the wilderness, but he waited until Jesus was pretty much starving, and uh, and he was and he was weak, right? So he comes when we're weak, and he tries to kick us while we're down. But not only does he do that, he also will try and exploit our our strengths. All right. If we're not careful, he'll do that because Jesus had the power to turn these stones into bread. He had the power over uh, over the angels, and he and he and he was supposed to have the power over all the kingdoms of the world. That's what he's coming for. All the old prophecies, the double references, talk about his first coming, and then the second coming when he's going to rule with an iron rod. So, this is what Jesus is supposed to do. This is the power that he has. So, Satan was trying to tempt him. And, and get him to uh, to to perform these miracles while while he was outside of God's will. You know what I mean? So turn these stones into bread, uh, worship me, and throw yourself off of this cliff, and the angels will, will protect you on your time, not on Jesus, not on God's time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So um, if we if we fall into this trap and we use our strengths to uh, to save ourselves in these kind of situations. Then we take God out of the equation. It makes us prideful, right? 
and it makes us feel like we're self-reliant. If we feel like we're self-reliant, we feel like we don't need God, and we trust in our own abilities, and we don't rely on God. So we need to avoid this kind of trap, and the way to avoid that kind of trap is just to remember that all of our strengths, even Jesus, the power that he had to do all these things, they were all gifts from God. So we, we always have to give God the credit and point back to God with all these things. So um, make sure that, uh, that we're using all our talents and all our abilities that God gives us to glorify God so we can avoid being tempted by the devil. Yeah, Michael. Sure. So the reason we fast and we meditate on the word is so that we become stronger in the word. Is that right? Well, I think the reason we, uh, we fast right, and meditate at the same time is uh, to meditate because we want to we want to hear what God is telling us. But if we're fasting and we're denying our flesh, so we're we're not satisfying our flesh by giving it food or, or whatever you're fasting or drinks or anything like that, you're, uh, you're you're becoming more reliant on God to sustain you through that. Okay, so my question is, while Jesus was fasting and communing with God, wasn't he actually stronger at that time when the devil came? Sure. I mean, I, th I think that's why he was able to uh, to defeat Satan at his own game. So, so the devil thought that he was coming to get him while he was while he was weak, but Jesus flipped the script on him. Yeah, he, I, he was weak physically. Yeah, physically, but strong, strong in the spirit. Yeah, That's so his his appearance was weak. His his human side, his human nature, his body was weak, but in the spirit he was he was strong. That's why he was able to uh, to fend off the wild beast. He didn't really have to fight the wild beast physically. He had dominion over them, the way Adam was supposed to have dominion over them, and uh, and he didn't have to fight. Satan all physically either with all the power that Jesus had he could have called down 12 legions and angels. I mean just Revelation says by the breath of his mouth he's going to destroy Satan and, and, and all his minions so he could have just spoke Satan uh, you know into oblivion at that point yeah exactly peace be still yeah exactly but again it shows you sacrifice that he's willing to make for us because if you would have just de defeated satan at that time or, or 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 gave in and not went and fulfilled his mission then you know we wouldn't have had our salvation mm -hmm. right i think chris had it oh. yeah, also his question about fasting there's no formula for anything right you're trying to get god to do what you want right right yeah you gotta be careful with that right Yeah. He said, this, this kind yeah. prayer and fasting. Only by prayer and fasting. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of times, prayer and fasting combined shows God you really mean business. You're patient yeah. about something. So it's. It was funny too about that verse. They omit it from a couple of the new translations. It's only it's only in the like King James and the New King James. You know that that verse? Yeah. 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 I wonder why they do that. That's a long story. Yeah. <laughs> Get you don't. <laughs> Manuscript errors. Uh, is that what it is? 
You got a question, Kuli? Yeah, I have a question. Pass it As opposed to like the times that we're in now, and go back like 30 years back, because you've had a long Christian walk. Um, my question is, I've noticed like when I don't do devotional and, and give that morning time to the Lord, and I go out, I feel like I'm under attack now. Mm. So do you think that it's better, you know, as opposed to back then, are you, do you take more time out? Do you see yourself taking more time out now in these times that we're in, as opposed to back then? Like with your prayer in the morning, your devotional, and, and whatever your, your schedule is with the Lord? Well, I, I certainly need to. But I, and the honest truth is, I think when you're brand new in the Lord, you're, you're it, there's like, like we just say, take me back. Yeah. That's, that's why I love that song, because I, I want to go back. I think it was, it's more, it's fresher, it's newer, it's, you know. And then I think as, as we serve the Lord, this is the, the, probably the, maybe the biggest struggle as Christians. As we serve the Lord for a long time, we, we gain knowledge, we gain experience. And then the danger is, and I can fall into this trap, and I think it's especially a big trap for preachers is we can begin to rely on our knowledge and experience. But, I, you know, we need it now more than ever before. But I was going to save this to later, but I, th I think it fits here right now because you were going to talk about the armor of God a little yep. bit. I won't get into all of that right now. But sometimes people say, I hear people say things like this. You know, I get up every morning and I put the armor of God on in the morning. You know, I have to have a cup of coffee and put the armor of God on. And I, I always kind of laugh at that because I say to them, why did you take it off? Amen. What are you doing taking the armor off? You know, the devil can attack you. <laughs> but here's an interesting lesson from the Jewish roots that we have, and Christianity is based in Jewish roots. The day, like right now, according to the Jewish way of telling time, this is already the next day. Because the day begins not at sunrise or even like we say, the day begins like one split second after midnight. That's the way we calculate time. Right. The Jewish mind calculates time at sunset. Yep. At sunset. That's why we get confused when reading all these stories about the timing of Jesus. But at sunset, that's the next day. Yeah. So I think one of the secrets that we can have to walk in victory is not just get up in the morning and have devotions, but go to bed right. Amen. If the last thing that you're watching at night is three hours of horror movies, you know, you're, you're yeah. actually, <laughs> or whatever, you know, or, or, or you know, uh, Oprah's interview of whoever, you know, that kind of thing, then the fact of the matter is that's, that's like you're, you're setting your mind, you're feeding your mind with that in the evening. And so uh, you're going to have to kind of like really make an extra effort to restoke the fire in the morning. Right. So I, I use the analogy of camping. When uh, we couldn't afford a vacation, when, when I was first married for vacation, the, the thing that I, the greatest uh, vacation tool that I ever bought was for $79 at Kmart. When I was first married and had two little kids, we bought, I bought a, a pop-up dome tent. And we went camping in Vermont and places. Like One of the things I would love to do is stay up around the fire. This is biblical concept. Stay up around the fire at night. And then I start to get just so tired. Forget the watch. But I just, oh my, I'm getting tired, but such a wonderful thing. And then I would build up the fire and put a couple of extra logs on the fire. If I did it right, the next morning I would get up, and I, I would do this for fun, but I would get up and put a couple of twigs and just blow on it gently. 
it would come back. Now, if I didn't do that and the fire went out, I had to start it all over again. Mm-hmm. So it's in the tabernacle. They kept the fire burning almost constantly, redoing the fire in the evening. They tended to it. In the morning, they tended to it. So to answer your question, rather than have a good devotional time, which you should in the morning, have put an extra log on the fire at night and watch what happens in the morning when you get up. Yeah. There you go. The Bible says pray, <laughs> pray without ceasing, too. Pray all day. It doesn't mean you have to, you have to not be. You, you can't live your life. You can pray while you're living your life. You know what I mean? Say just little prayers while you're going through the day. Thank you, God, for this beautiful, this beautiful sunlight that's hitting my face right now. You know what I mean? Thank you for any little, any little even meal reading, you throw even my reading way. like one psalm yeah. and listening to one worship psalm yeah. and having a word of prayer. Yeah, take you about 15 minutes. Sure. Well, be because what you're doing is you're building up the fire, you're building up the fire. Yeah, stay plugged in. Practical. Stay plugged in. <laughs> songs it's just it feels like you're just constantly being in the presence of the lord just always like hearing his name always hearing like his goodness it's just it keeps it just keeps that uh constantly going through your you feel it it's just different presence in the household in your car it's just constantly when you take yourself out listening to different kind of music and watching different kind of shows it just it don't sit right and it, it does it kills your spirit it There was something mentioned to me about the armor that it covers every part of the body except the back. Yep. That we're vulnerable. Yep. Interesting. Wow. Because we're never supposed to turn and run. I think, I, yeah, I, I, I think it's so we can get together with other brothers and sisters who have on the armor and, and, and go back to back and fight the enemy that way. Yeah. I think the Romans, I had, I have this, I saw it on a, a uh, you know, on YouTube somewhere, and I think it was, I think it was in a movie, but uh, they would, they had, a, I think it was called the turtle or something like that, where they would kind of gather around one another. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And they would just all do this move, and then yeah, the, all the armor shield, would become yep. like one giant yep. piece of armor, and it would be impregnable from the arrows of the enemy. And that's a, that's kind of a good picture of what we should be doing spiritually. Amen. All right. Amen. So we're in Luke still. Uh, so uh, my wife read uh, read these uh, three and, and four. Uh, the devil said, "If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread." But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from, but by every word of God. Uh, I did want to mention that, uh, you know, if you are the Son of God, like Pastor Valko mentioned, is, is the devil's way of, of uh, putting doubt in Jesus' mind, putting doubt in, uh, in our mind about who Jesus is, and, and also putting doubt in our minds about who, who we are. So we have to be careful when. Uh, when people try to twist scripture around, changing words, taking scripture out of context, and uh, and try and, and fool us with that, we we need to uh, we need to know enough about what God's word says to be able to uh, to withstand that kind of uh, that kind of attack, because it is an attack.
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Book of Revelation says if you add to this to these words or take away from them, right. you'll be accursed too. So that's uh, you know that's, that's a warning. Yeah. All the plagues in this book. Amen. But uh, so the devil tries to get us to doubt Jesus' true identity. And he tries to get us to question who Jesus is, tries to get us to question who we are. Uh, it's not saying that times of questioning are, are all wrong because, you know, we can ask questions and, and, and it strengthens our faith and we try and sort out what our beliefs are. Um, but uh, those times can also be dangerous, you know what I mean? So we need to make sure that we protect ourselves and you, you need to protect yourself by meditating on, on the Word of God and knowing what his unshakable truths are, knowing God's promises, knowing them inside your heart, just like Jesus knew them inside his heart. Like Pastor Valco said, you have to go look in, in a book to try and, and figure out how to, uh, how to respond to Satan. He knew how to respond to Satan because he had the word inside of, of his heart. So, I mean, Jesus was the word, you know what I mean? And the word was with God. That's what John says at the beginning of the gospel. So if Jesus, who was the word, the living word, use the word of God to, to fight against Satan, you know, what should we be doing? We should be doing the same thing. So we should be meditating on God's word and, and that should be our weapon. And I do want to get into the, uh, to the armor of God, but I, I want to hit a couple more of these verses first. I know they, they sound like we went over them already, but it's a different gospel and they got them in a different order. But I wanted to touch real quick on the, uh, the stone, the bread thing too. I mean, it's okay to uh, to to get something to eat when you're hungry, you know what I mean. So the sin wasn't, you know, get something to eat because you're hungry. The sin was do something outside of God's will. So do something in your own timing and uh, and and just just avoid <clears throat> avoid the plan that God has for your life. Just rush into a situation and and take care of yourself when Jesus knew that He was supposed to be relying on God. So what I have here is. Uh, is people end up uh, sinning usually by trying to fulfill legitimate desires, um, you know, and, and we try and fulfill these legitimate desires, but we try and do them outside of God's will or ahead of his timetable. So sometimes we got to slow down and catch up to the Holy Spirit. One example of this that popped in my head was, you know, sex outside of the covenant of marriage. God created sex for us to enjoy, and it's not a bad thing, but he created it for us to enjoy in the context of marriage, right? So, you know, many of our desires are normal, and God wants us to satisfy them, and he wants us to enjoy our lives, but he wants us to do them in the right way. God's not like the warden of a, of a prison trying to keep us from, from having a good time. Jesus was all about having a good time. He got invited to weddings and everything, so he was always, he was always about enjoying life, you know what I mean? But there's a time and a place to do things. And we have to listen to the word of God. We can't let, you know, we can't let people in our lives come and compromise what we know to be true, because that's what the devil would do. Oh well, you, you know, God, God doesn't really expect you to to wait until you're married to have sex anymore. That's that's old school. That's old stuff. You know, what I mean, that's uh, that's that's ancient history. I mean, that's the same kind of the same <clears throat> kind of uh, the same kind of comment as if you are the son of God. You know, what I mean, yeah. it comes at you the same way. So people can come at you the same way that the devil came at Jesus like this. I mean, Jesus himself performed several miracles, and he fed the 5,000 one time and the 4,000 another time, and he did that by, by you know, 
miraculously creating more bread out of the little bit of bread that they had. So he used he used that, you know, what what we think was the temptation. He used it for good later on. But if he would have used it mm. in that context, it would have been wrong. Yeah. And every time I read this verse, something like I think about uh, so scriptures of no private interpretation. It means what it means. You know what I mean? And and this definitely was talking about, you know, turning stones into bread. But sometimes, you know, we live our lives according to uh, to the time that we live in, and and we hear things according to the slang that we grew up in, and you know, God will will give us revelations from Scripture. And this was actually one of the verses that you know made me realize that at the very beginning of my walk, I had to stop selling drugs. I was selling Percocet, and that and that was part of my uh, that was part of my darkness. And you know, it was around the time I was getting baptized. Um, I, I, I read this verse and I got really convicted because mm. I'm looking at this, like turn these stones into bread. And, you know, I'm like, wow, that's what I'm doing. I'm turning these little blue stones that I'm getting from the doctor every month and I'm turning them into bread. And, and, and I'm, I'm being tempted by the devil every month to do this. And every month I'm doing it because I don't have enough faith to rely on God to take care of me. And this was like, this was after I got filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a couple month period where I was like, I was struggling. I was playing tug of war with my old life and my new life. And between me and all of you, I got baptized and I was high when I went in the water. I was high on weed. I was high on perks. I was still selling perks. I gave the church a nice donation out of the money that I, that I made selling the perks. And for six days after that, I struggled and I tried to negotiate with God and, 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 uh, and argue with God and, and, and almost got to the point where I was like, all right, I'll stop taking them, but I'm going to keep selling them because I was making a nice amount of money. It was going on for a while, and I swore that I needed that, that money to live on. I needed that money to take care of my family. And it was actually harder for me to stop selling them than it was to stop taking them. So for six days, I struggled. And on the sixth night, I remember I was laying in bed. I was reading Romans chapter 7. It's a great chapter. That's where he talks about, I, I, I know the things that I do are wrong, and I don't want to do them, but I do them anyway, and I don't understand why. Uh, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know what I mean? It's Jesus Christ. And I, I, I remember I started crying, and uh, I was still still trying to negotiate. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to keep selling them, and I wanted to give the church half of the money and, and keep half of the money for myself, and, and, and I'm trying to justify it, and I felt, I felt God, like, like point his finger at me and get real stern with me. And I almost heard the voice of my own father in my head. And I was like, you think I want that dirty money? Like you're, you're killing people. Like you're promoting life and you're pushing death out on the streets. And he's like, kid, I got a ministry for you. You could either do it around your family or you can do it in prison. The choice is yours. Wow. And it wasn't an audible voice, but I felt it like, like as real as I'm in the room with you all right now. I felt that message, and uh, and every time I, I read this verse, I think about that because it's that one little, you know, them couple little words. It's, it's of no private interpretation, but that's the revelation that I got from it the first time that I read it. So Great. I figured I'd share that with you guys. Vinny, that's not just, my notes. <laughs> I just wanted to say your, your testimony. Thank you for sharing that, by the way. Most people wouldn't have the guts to share that. Yeah. And kind of hide that. We hide things, you know. Yeah. But that's, that transparency is part of being victorious, too. Amen. And... Uh, your, your testimony reminds us of the, the scripture where God says, I desire obedience more than sacrifice. Amen. 
You know, in other words, you know, God didn't want you to give an extra offering right. out of that. You know, that's the sacrifice. Like, and that goes back to, to Saul, King Saul, said, well, I'll disobey God, but we'll offer more sheep, you know, you know yeah. and yeah. God will be happy with that. And uh, no, 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 no. Samuel said, that's not the way God operates. You can't do it that way. You can't, you can't buy off yep. God. You know, you can't compromise with yourself. You can't compromise with God. But if I could just say, all of the temptation that Jesus experienced and every, that we're reading about, all of that takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, the original essence of temptation. I don't know if you were going to touch on that no. at all. But if you go all the way back there, what, there's two trees in the garden, right? You know, what, what's, what's the two trees? Come on, tell me. Tell me. Tree, tree of life. life. Tree of knowledge of knowledge good and of evil. Knowledge of good and evil. Life, yep. And the tree of life. Life. And what did, what's the word of God say? Jesus said, I can that you might have life mm -hmm. and have it more abundantly. So the garden, the garden of Eden was abundance. I mean, think about how beautiful it was. There was no weeds to pull. Thank you, Jesus. There was like, you know... Adam never had to go out and water the garden. God did that. It was like an automatic watering sprinkler system mm -hmm. that was operating there. You can read about it. And it was. It even talks about gold being in the Garden of Eden and four different uh, fountains of river heads and all of this abundance of fruit. And, and here's, here's a, the, you know, the devil has repackaged old lies uh, from, the, from the garden to now. He's only repackaged old lies. He's been saying the same yep. thing. And here's what he's been saying. God is withholding something from you. So if you really want the good life, act in your own self. Stand up for yourself. Be the captain of your own ship, the pilot of your own soul, and do your thing. You know, back mm -hmm. in the 60s, it was do your thing, mm -hmm. right? And, but that's just like what, you know, what, what they experienced in the garden where there was one tree. One law. There wasn't even ten commandments. One commandment. One commandment. Yep. And, and they couldn't keep that. You shall not eat of this tree. Of the, and if the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Oh, now, when Eve ate of it and then Adam partook of it, they didn't drop over physically dead, but they died spiritually. There was a separation yep. of fellowship. And to a certain degree, to a certain degree, every time that we sin, there's death. Not that we lose our salvation, you know, when we sin, if we sin. But there's, a, there's fellowship. Sin separates us from God's fellowship. We, we're not walking in the light. The sea's in the light, right? And so we want that fellowship, right? How many need fellowship with God? You know, we don't want to lose that above all things. we not not talking about losing your salvation, you know, right now. I'm talking about fellowship. And so, you know, what did the devil do? Appeal to the senses. Mm -hmm. Appeal to the pride of life. Appeal to every, all the temptations that the devil was using Back then, it's the same thing he, he tried on Jesus. Amen. Which, so he's trying to repackage it. And if, but if you do this, you will be as God. Well, that, that I just finished studying a little bit. I study these things. You know, my wife thinks I'm crazy because she watches something on television. I watch, I'm studying the Renaissance. <laughs> and during the Renaissance, it was beautiful. Michelangelo, the David, and all of that, the great architecture. But re the Renaissance was also had a dark side to it because it accentuated the greatness of, of man so much that it was that we are like our own God, the deification of humanity and so, and so on. So humanism mm -hmm. really yeah. came from the Renaissance right. and came from the Greek culture before that. And so, but it goes all the way back to the garden where the devil said, 
if you eat this, you shall be as gods. You won't need any god. And, you know, so you'll be your own god. And that's that autonomy, that self-will, where I just don't need anybody, it leads to just nothing. It just leads to emptiness and total absence of purpose. But that's where our culture is at. Culture is at right now. Everybody's trying to be autonomous and doing their own thing. And there's no, there's no truth. There's no absolute. There's no relationship with God. Well, I could go on and on, but Amen. I'll pitch the ball back to you. See. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, on, on, on that note, uh, March 30th will be two years since I took a perk, sold a perk. Praise God. With a perk, so. Praise God. Amen. And, uh, all, all praise and glory to God. You yes. know what I mean? He took, he took me through uh, withdrawal that wasn't as bad as it should have been. And uh, the money that I, that, I, that I thought I was going to miss so much, you know what I mean, from selling those things. I mean, he's just blessed me tenfold over and over and over again over the last two years. So I don't even know. I don't even know how it happened. I, I don't even know why I thought I was uh, I was dependent on that money before. I think part of the reason is because when you're uh, when you're living in, in in sin and you're living in darkness, the more that you get, the more treasure you get from that darkness. You're you're not going to save it. It's not going to do you any good. I mean, if I would have stayed and stayed and stayed, I would have buried myself with that treasure. You know, what I mean, I would have been like I, I was I was in a dark tomb. You know what I mean? So if I keep if I keep accumulating, 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 and I'm in a dark tomb with no light, that's what I'm in, is a tomb. You know, I, mean, I might as well be like one of them, uh, them pharaohs that they bury in with all their stuff and, and, and shut the, the walls up and there's nothing in there. You know what I mean? Because just get buried from, buried, buried with your treasure. This is a good point I just remembered. Uh, me and my wife, we had this basement in our, in our house and we had restored so much stuff in this basement. And she swore it was it was precious. There's so many things that we needed. Stuff from years ago. So much stuff in there, and we never used the room because it was so full of stuff. Right. And every time we would go down there, we just felt like, oh, it's a waste of space. There's nothing new in this. Like it's just junk. And I told her like, if we made room for new stuff, we would be more happier in this said room. True. And she had such an emotional attachment to things that we thought meant something to us. And I realized the moment we cleared it out and just threw it away. I put stuff in that room that actually meant more to us than we thought it did, mm. and I say this because like I, I was talking, I forgot, I was talking to someone er, uh, earlier, and I was just uh, uh, the other day that God works in a way, right, where our heart could only take so much, right? As humans, we can only take so much trials, so much love before we have we hit our breaking point, right? Mm -hmm. But if we keep filling our heart with stuff of this world and stuff of the old things that hurt us, like you said, you had hurt, you had emotional distress, you thought you thought money was going to solve problems, mm -hmm. all that stuff yes. fills in our heart. There's no room for God to come in to tell us what we really need. You know, the fruits of the Spirit, all that stuff right. needs to make room in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And I realize that the moment we actually just give up, let go, man, it's a whole different feeling, a whole different world. And you realize that, like, man, I never needed none of that. Sure. And that's the way the enemy is. That's the way he works. You know, it's, it's almost like an illusion. Almost like yep. a, a curtain he puts around. It's like, you need this stuff. Yeah. Hold on to this. Yeah, you need it. Tight grip on Yeah. Yep. 100%. That was a good point. Surrender. That's that. I, that was my. That's why my yeah. uh, my baptism word that I wrote on my shirt. I had it on a couple weeks ago. Was surrender because you know I had to just surrender all my fears, and and my life basically to yeah. Jesus, just to trust Him enough to know that you know if I stopped with all that extracurricular stuff, you know I mean no matter what happened, we were going to be okay. And it was it was a scary time for us. You know what I mean.
even even stopping doing everything. Right? Yeah. I was uh, I was on I was on PTSD medication as well, and uh, and I was smoking weed for my PTSD. So we thought, you know what I mean. So, I mean, my wife was even nervous when I when I stopped everything all at once that I was gonna like lose my yeah. mind. And I did lose it for a little bit. I threw away all the Christmas decorations. I stopped eating pork for a little while. I, I went. I went all legalistic. I, I got so deep into the. But then book. you got baptized. And in the then Holy I got Spirit. baptized in the Holy Spirit. He pulled me right back out. But that's another thing that the devil will do. Like oh, he sees you walking on this this path of righteousness, and this path of righteousness could be like that white line in 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 the black in the black uh, street, maybe down the lakes where I run. I seen it one day. I'm trying to stay on the white line. And one side's real big because that's where all the cars go, but the other side's the shoulder, but there's darkness on both sides. And I was on, I was in the street before playing with drugs and doing all kind of crazy stuff. And now I'm on the path of righteousness. And I, and I felt the devil like knock me over to the shoulder for a little while where I wasn't in the street and I wasn't messing with drugs or anything like that. But I was, uh, I was trying to get like so into the Bible that I was so legalistic that my own family didn't even want to know who Jesus was because, I mean, God forbid you give up pork in my father's house. He makes super sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Super <laughs> he was like, what? You give up pork? I don't want nothing to do with that Bible. <laughs> uh, did you do it home? Yeah. Yeah, I did, I did it right in my bedroom. My wife will tell you, I was singing worship songs 3.30 in the morning upstairs while she was downstairs sleeping with Mikey. She thought I was losing my mind. Did he keep you up at night sometimes? <laughs> uh -huh. Honestly, it was it's it's weird, but it was about forty days. It, it was a month and, and some change that I, I didn't sleep a wink. But I I, I was in pain, but I wasn't uh, I wasn't sad about anything. I started running every day. That's when I started seeing all the crazy stuff like the path of righteousness and all. And yeah, it was uh, it was it was an experience. You were feeding yeah. on the Word of God intensely. Oh yeah, right? all, all day long. Yeah, I was I was reading my that's, Bible. That's the key, right there. Yeah, I was I was meditating on the Word of God. I was praying. I was uh, yeah, I was I was doing everything I could. That's why I got so so deep into it on the other side. But uh, you know, the devil tried to get me on 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 the back end. I like to say. You know, I even got to the point where I wouldn't even call him Jesus. His name was Yeshua, Yeshua Hamashiach. I was about to I was about to grow curly sideburns, but my wife said she was going to divorce me. <laughs> yeah, that's like yeah. Hebrew and Latin and Italian all yeah, yeah. mixed together, right? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. We all struggle with sin. We're sinners. Yeah. But we're sinners saved by grace. Amen. That doesn't mean you're not going to sin anymore. Right. But we have to be careful. There's a difference between desire and something. There's a lot of things that are good to desire. Right. But you got to be careful. The desire doesn't become a need. Mm -hmm. When it's a need, it'll rule you. Yeah. Hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's basically what she was saying. Like, oh, the difference between religion and relationship. We get so caught up in trying to, okay, I need to pray at this time, repent this time, follow a schedule. Mm -hmm. And then that's more like religion. I need to you know, go to the... the trying to do it in your own strength. Exactly. Instead of being a relationship with God, like you saying, like, I pray all day, I worship all day. That's more relationship. Like, right. like how you would call your father, hey, I'm just checking up on you. How you doing? What's sure. going on? Exactly. And the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit instead of just a rule book, exactly. per yep. se. I remember so clear. One of, the, one of the, the, the most interesting lessons the Lord taught me as a new believer, I was in Bible college. And I was walking from the dorm. I'll never forget. This is back in 1973 or 4, whatever. And I'm walking from the dormitory to the cafeteria. And there was some trash that somebody either threw or fell onto the ground. 
And I looked at it, and I uh, something told me, pick it up. Mm. Then I argued with what was telling. I said, the Bible doesn't say I have to pick that trash up. And, it, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, but I told you to pick it up. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, I didn't reach back into my pocket. Oh, there's a piece of trash there. All right. Paragraph 1, Section 5, right. Article 37 of the Religious Code says... Yea, when thou walkest upon the path and thou seest said trash, thou shouldest pick it up, you know. I mean, we could never have a law book big enough Amen. for every life, but that's where the Holy Spirit, when we walk in the Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit told me, I'm, I'm convinced, he told yeah. me, pick the trash up. And I'm arguing, with, you ever try to argue with the Holy Spirit very soon? Sure. And, and then I actually started to walk away, and I was like, oh, I got to pick it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That was, well, that was a lesson. That, that was my, that was my, uh, you, you got something? Yeah, I was it gonna actually say. reminds me of, uh, I remember, it was a, I remember I was walking to church, I was coming here, and, um, I, hopefully my mom remembers or something, but I, we came here, we did an altar call, I remember you were preaching, and you were like, uh, you know, ask God to put somebody on your heart, bring somebody in that you can bless, this and that, and, you know, I'm sitting at the altar praying, and like, you know, okay, maybe God does, and maybe he doesn't, and he does, but. Before I came to church, I remember all I had was like five dollars in my name. And I remember looking at Burger King. I was like, I'm getting myself a Whopper after church. I never eat fast food, but something about today, I was like, I'm getting a Whopper. <laughs> like I, I'm walking, I'm walking to church. I got my Bible in my hand, like just I'm like, I'll see you after church, like because I walk right past Burger King. <laughs> so like we come uh, after church, everything. I get back home, drop my Bible off. I'm like, okay, Burger King time. So if you're familiar with the area over on like uh, 20, that would be like right on 24th and Oregon, yep. where that Burger King used to be. Yeah. So I'm like walking into the door. Like I'm like in the parking lot of Burger King. There's a guy yelling, yelling, Mr. Mr. Like coming down the hill towards Burger King. So that's a good distance. I'm like, what the heck is this dude? He's yelling. He's like, Mr. Mr. He's like. He's like, I'm trying to get to the shelter, you know, I got diabetes, <coughs> you know, I, I gotta catch this bus that's coming because my sugar's going down. The doctor says I can't have bread, I don't know what to do, you know. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got you for the bus, I'm gonna go in there and um, uh, go get changed. I'm thinking in my head, okay, I still have enough for my Whopper, I hope. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> Not with cheese, though. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like 250. I, again, I don't eat fast food, so I'm like, okay, maybe uh, this will work out. So. I'm asking the lady, I give her the five, and I'm like, can I have a, have this in ones? So she's going in the back. When do, like, the fast food people, like, not have ones in the cash register? She's going in the back. Five, all I got to my name. So she's going, I'm not thinking anything of it. I'm sitting there waiting for her to come back. I just hear in my head, give it all to him. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm taking my water. I'm like, right. like, give it all to him. <coughs> so I'm like, okay, again, this is only $5, but, like, this is, this is all I had, everything. Right. Like nothing else, and um, and I'm like, okay, so I, I I go, I'm like, all right, I'm obeying. So this is the whole key point: is just obeying. It doesn't matter what it is, is if he he said it, I knew it was him, and I did it. And I, I come out to him, I said, hey, listen, I prayed a prayer today. You know, I wanted some to bless somebody. You know, and I believe that person's you. Um, listen, this is all I have to my name. You know, and. and I want you to get your bus. And he, he, he grabs the money. I remember him looking down, grabbing it, and then looking up at me. He's like, uh, looking down on me because I'm obviously short. But he uh, um, said, are you born again? I'm like, 
yeah, born again. And he's like, can you please pray for me? And, then wow. I, and, and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And I'm praying with him. And, and like, you know, he's crying. And I, I, I'm just like, I'm in awe right now. I'm like, right. I'm shocked. So I'm like, I'm walking away. And I'm like, I start crying because I, the first thing that came to my mind was like, he answered my prayer. I'm like, God used me. He right. used me. I'm crying. Praise I'm God. leaving. I'm like, Yes, this is it. So yeah. I remember I get home to my mom. I'm crying. She's like, what are you doing? What's the matter? I'm like, God, use me. But <laughs> like, it was like, it was so pure because it was like, yeah. I obeyed. I wasn't happy because of the money. It's that I heard his voice and I I answered. Amen. Without question. I questioned a little bit. But I, I did it. You know? But it was sure, like, that was, I think just... Hearing his word and boom, without hesitation or a little hesitation, getting right into it. It's Amen. Like, so it was a. It's like one of the greatest joys in the world. Yeah, is, is, is that? And so that obedience, which which you know Vinny touched on, and you know, that's God trying to that even happen in the testing and all <coughs> is trying to work in us so that He can use us and give us all kinds of divine appointments. All because we all want God to lead us supernaturally. And that can't happen without obedience. There's no formula for that. The Holy Spirit's the only, the only one, right? Amen. Yeah, that conviction of the Holy Spirit, something you got to definitely follow. That it happened to me too, picking up dog poop. But that's another story. I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to get all into that. I, I didn't have to do that, so you must yeah. be more spiritual than me. <laughs> I used to be the guy like, "Come on, hurry up!" After he pooped, hurry up, leave it there. It's fertilizing. It wasn't on our front lawn, was it, at the church? I don't think so. <laughs> Fertilizer. You're the one, right? God, the God one. was like, that's not fertilizer, that's crap. <laughs> Pick it up. That's why I got down there and started picking up all the old stuff that was here, too. Oh, man. It was bad. But, all right, so real quick, um, Luke uh, 6, uh, 4, 6, and 8, 6 through 8. The devil taking, up, taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Uh, the devil said to him, all this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So the devil has authority over this world. He gained authority over this world when Adam sinned. Um, Jesus doesn't get into a debate with him on whether or not he has authority over this world. Jesus knows you know, where, where Satan stands at this time. Jesus is eventually going to take over and rule the world with an iron rod and defeat Satan, but he knows it's not time. Jesus doesn't even know when the time is, and, and he'll, tell us, he'll tell us that later on. But what, what Satan was trying to do was tempt Jesus into, uh, into taking control of all the kings of all the world right now without humbly going to the cross first. Satan didn't know what Jesus had planned. Jesus knew what he had planned. But Satan was just like, oh, I figure if, if this guy bows down and worships me, I can give him all the kingdoms of the world, and uh, and 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 I'll still get the glory. And Jesus was like, No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Get behind me, Satan. Same thing he told Peter when Peter told him that you know he's not going to die. You know what I mean? He, he said it, he said the same thing to his own apostle. Uh, and and he quotes with scripture again: "You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve." So. Then the last, uh, the last temptation in Luke, which is the second one in Matthew, this is where they switch him up for whatever reason, uh, 9 through 11 says, Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle, 
of the temple and said to him, Again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, and he takes this right out of Psalm 91. Right. He shall give angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said and answered him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So the devil quoted a psalm, uh, Psalm 91. I think David wrote that psalm, maybe. I think that might have been written by Moses, as a matter of Moses? fact. Moses, okay. Maybe not, because Psalm 90 says it was written by Moses, and 91 doesn't have a specific name, but most Bible scholars say that if the next one doesn't have a name, they go by the one before it. We don't know for sure, but I think it's... Some say Moses, and some say David. And, yeah. Moses, all right, I'll buy it. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Moses when we get to heaven. Did you write yeah. Psalm 91? Yeah. Eagle yeah. wing? He wrote Psalm 90, I think, specifically. So, uh, so the devil quotes scripture again, and he quotes Psalm 91, but he, he misinterprets it. Um, so the real meaning of the verse is to show that God's going to protect his people, and it's not for... It's, it's not for us to go, uh, you know, to, it's, it's not to incite us to go use God's power for anything foolish or sensational. Uh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't look at, at God and try to manipulate God and ask him for signs and wonders. Jesus even goes on to say this wicked generation asks for signs and wonders. Um, he, uh, uh, he, he even uses a parable about the, uh, the, the two guys that died, the one rich man and one poor man, Lazarus. Where, where the rich man is is on the uh, the torment side of, of the uh, of the cavern and he sees Lazarus over in the bosom of Abraham and he, he's, he's just asking for him to dip his finger in water and, and, and quench his, his tongue because it's on fire basically and he's like we can't can't cross over and he, he basically asks well can you send somebody from down here back to my brothers on earth and let them know that you know that hell is real basically and that they need to repent and change their lives and and in the parable, the uh, the moral of the parable is they, they say to the guy, if uh, if your brothers don't believe what is, what's been written by Moses and the prophets, right. they're not going to even believe somebody that comes back from the dead and tells them the same thing. So, you know, we, we need to uh, we need to believe the word of God. We need to believe that it's true, and we need not test God by doing foolish things like uh, like playing Russian roulette with our lives. You know what I mean? Like going out every night and getting drunk and high and, and, and riding your motorcycle home and not remembering how you got home, you know what I mean? Because eventually, you know, that, that, that you're going to crash and burn if you do stuff like that. Don't go run out and, and play in traffic. You know what I mean? I just had a, a friend of mine was going through some hard times, and uh, I was talking to him on the phone the other day and trying to, kind of trying to pray him out of it, and uh, he's very sick, but he's experiencing some problems with his, with his family, uh, with his wife and his daughter and everything, and uh, you know, he was telling me that he stopped. I'm not taking my medication. I'm not taking my high blood pressure medication. I'm not taking my diabetes medication. Uh, I'm putting my fleece before the Lord. He told me it's a reference to uh, to the story of Gideon. I'm putting my fleece before the Lord, and 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 if the Lord wants me to live, then you know he's gonna he's gonna supply some kind of miracle for me to live. And I was like, listen, man, I was like, we don't put our fleece before the Lord anymore. The quick story of that is this guy yeah. needed to know something from God back in the Old Testament. He put a fleece made out of wool outside. He said, if the, if the fleece is, is dry in the morning and the grass is wet from the dew, then I'll know the answer. It was. He wanted to do it again. If the fleece is wet, 
and the, the ground is dry, I'll know the answer, and the fleece, he had, they had to bring it out. So he got his answer. So some people say that, but I told my friend, I was like, we don't put our fleece before the Lord anymore. I said, that, you know, that's been answered. We're, we're full of the Holy Spirit at this point now. Yes, yes. And, uh, and the simple fact that, that God has provided you with this medication for your physical health shows that he wants you to live. Now, the devil's trying to attack you on, on a couple different fronts. You know, let's at least get one under control, the one that you can control right now. You have medication for your physical ailments. Please take the medication. I prayed with him, prayed with him, prayed with him, and he right. finally agreed to take his medication. Thank God. Um, uh, hopefully everything else is going to work out with him. You know what I mean? But at least at least that's one battle that he was able to uh, to overcome. And I, I feel like... Uh, I feel like that's kind of like along the same lines of here. Like, don't don't tempt the Lord your God. Don't be you know presumptuous. I mean? Yeah, exactly. He gives so. you angels, but he also gives you common sense. Sure, okay. exactly. You don't walk out in the middle of Oregon Avenue and say, right. I'm not going to get hit. The Lord loves me. Yeah, you might get hit. It's like that guy that the, the, the guy that, that's drowning, right? He's drowning, and then somebody comes by on a on, on, on a rowboat. They're like, yo, you need a hand? I'm, I'm going to pull you out of the water. No, nah, I'm waiting for God to save me. Then the boat leaves, and somebody comes by on a helicopter. <laughs> You need a hand. I'm, I got this ladder. I want to pull you out of water. No, I'm waiting for God to save me. So then the guy drowns and he goes to heaven. He's like, God, what happened? I was waiting for you to save me. I sent the boat. I sent the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> That's true, isn't it? <laughs> so. That's a good one. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. That's good enough. <laughs> All right, so amen. So the last, the last verse that deals with this is uh, verse 13. And it says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Mm. So after Jesus defeated the devil in the wilderness, the New Living Translation says it like this, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Jesus defeated the devil, but it wasn't the last encounter he would have with him. That's right. We need to be constantly on guard against the devil and his ongoing attacks in all of our lives. If you are a non-believer, you can't beat the devil when he tempts you. Our defense is the word of God, so we need to read and study scripture so we have our weapons at the ready, and we need to build a foundation on the strong truth of, of the word of God. Uh, to have our weapons ready and to have our defenses up, I kind of just wanted to touch on, uh, on Ephesians chapter 6, and it talks about the armor of God. Uh, anybody want to read? Chapter 6, 10 through 18 for me. How about you, wife? You were doing such a good job before. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. We'll read it while you're looking for it. I'll just, uh, so Paul, the, uh, the apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians. Um, he, uh, he wrote, he wrote a, a lot of encouraging letters from a prison cell. Uh, even though he was in prison, he was never discouraged uh, or, or defeated. Um, and and in, this, in this account of the armor of God, Paul, writing from prison, is, is asking for prayer, but not for his chains to be removed or, or to be let out of prison or anything like that. He's asking for prayer from, from his people to, uh, to give him the, uh, the ability and the boldness to speak fearlessly in, in Christ in spite of of his chains and in spite of the situations that he's in. So, um, you know, God can use us right where we are to accomplish his will. And we need to, we need to pray for God's will to be done through whatever circumstances we're in. 
So why don't you read that, uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. So what Paul's saying here is that, uh, you know, he says stand several times. So we need to stand. stand. We need to stand. You know, I mean, we can't, <clears throat> can't lay down. We can't, like, you know, we have to stand tall against the devil. But we can't do that without the armor of God on us. So, you know, we have to gird our loins or, or, or put the belt of truth on. Uh, we have to cover our hearts with the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness that comes from what, what Jesus did for us, not by anything that we did for ourselves. On our feet, we got the, we got the boots of, of peace, of the gospel of peace. So wherever we walk, we walk in peace. Wherever we stand, we stand in peace. No matter what's going on around us, we can always be at peace, knowing what Jesus did for us. The helmet of salvation, the mind of Christ, that protects our brain. And I mean, and that, that lets us know who we are, whose we are, you know what I mean? That we're that we're that we're children of, uh, of the uh, of the Most High. You know what I mean? So we should never forget that. The shield of faith that we hold. Some uh, another translation calls it a wrap around shield of faith, and and uh, it's it's alluded to be something that's made out of water, right? Because it quenches the fiery darts that the devil wants to throw at us. So these darts that the devil throws at us, because we're children of of God, they can't pierce our heart because we got on that breastplate, breastplate of righteousness. They can't hit us, but these fiery darts can start little fires all around us. And like I know, like in the old, uh, the old time, like uh, the Wild Wild West shows and all, when uh, when they would run up on, on on these guys with their wagon trains, uh, you know, the enemy used to shoot fiery arrows and and set their uh, set their wagons on fire. You know what I mean? So then, so then the people that they would be fighting against couldn't really concentrate on fighting the enemy because now they had to turn around and fight the fires that were blazing all around them before all their stuff and all their families burned up. So while they were busy fighting fires, they were getting ambushed. So the shield of faith that we have is, is to quench those fiery darts before they set anything around us ablaze. And we just need to have faith in God and, and his word so we'll be able to, uh, we'll be able to do that. And then the last thing we have, this is the offensive weapon, and it's the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. It's your Bible. It's a double-edged sword, and uh, it cuts between bone and marrow. This is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God, right? It's, it's the only weapon that Jesus used in the wilderness to defeat Satan. It's the only weapon that we're ever going to need to defeat Satan. And uh, Jesus is the Word. He's the living Word. But when he comes back... On, on the horse and we're coming back behind him 
it says that he comes back with a flaming sword in his mouth, and it's the sword of the spirit. So it's it's the Bible and everything that's in here that he has in his mouth. And with the breath of his mouth, he defeats Satan and all the demons. So that's that's really what we need. To put on this armor, to get dressed with this armor, and to stay dressed with this armor, it says that we, we need to pray always with prayer and supplication, praying in the spirit. So you don't just have to pray in English. You could pray in, in, in your head. You could pray in your heart. You know, there's, there's a... Uh, there's a praying in the spirit that happens when you get baptized by the Holy Spirit. It's called praying in tongues. You know what I mean? That's your own intimate prayer language between you and God. Uh, you can ask for that whenever whenever you're praying, whenever you're talking to God in the comfort of your own home, the privacy of your own home. Ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Ask him to give you tongues of fire. Ask him to give you a, a, that intimate prayer language of him. And when you, when you pray that way, your mind doesn't have to know what you're praying for. Because the Holy Spirit intercedes and prays through you, mm -hmm. all right. So, and this is how this is how you you get dressed. This is how you you get ready, and this is how you stay ready. So then, if you stay ready, you don't never got to get ready. So when the enemy's coming at you, you're already going to be ready. So just stay ready. Be ready. Amen. You gotta have that armor on. You gotta have it on. Gotta don't on don't take it off for bed. That's it. Keep it all tight. So, uh, yeah, so like uh, unbelief doesn't affect God or the devil. It only affects the person. So if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in the devil, it doesn't change the fact that they both exist. The only thing that it changes is, 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 uh, is how you're going to be affected by it because yeah. Jesus is not a bully. He's not going to bully his way into your life, but the devil sure is. And the devil's going to take you down unless you have Jesus in your heart and in your life protecting you. So that's it. Like uh, that's that's pretty much what I got. I got a couple. I got a couple questions for you guys to think about over the next week. Where are you most susceptible to temptation in your life? Right. That's something that to ponder over for the next couple of days. How are you prepared to withstand it? Do you know enough of the, of the Word of God to be able to fight against temptation? Because you know temptation is is going to come at you in 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 like a, a nice package. You know, that's why it's called temptation. It's not going to be something that repulses you. It's going to be something that, you know, you want to indulge in, whether it's, it's sexual temptation, uh, the lure of money, um, or even something as simple as as, uh, as fear of talking about God because you, you're afraid to alienate somebody that maybe doesn't feel the same way that you feel. You know I mean? It could be major. It could be small. Um, whatever it is, it's going to be placed in your path. The enemy wants to destroy all believers through sin, through shame, and through guilt. So when temptation rears its ugly head, do what Jesus did and rely on the word of God and stand fast in your commitment to worship him and him alone. No matter how appealing the temptation, we must follow Jesus' example and stand strong in the Lord. Um, you know, what would it take for you to sell out to the devil? This is something you guys need to really like be thinking about because he'll get you where you least expect it. What um, in life could cause you to compromise your faith? These are all good questions. The devil will come at you in different ways. There's a story about a guy named Samson in the Bible. I like to allude to this when I talk about this. Samson was a was a mighty man. Is everybody familiar with who Samson was? Mm -hmm. Samson and, and Delilah. Well, he was a, he was a strong man, strongest man that ever that ever lived. Really, he was anointed by God. He was one of his judges, and uh, at one point, the enemy tried to take him out, and he tried to take him out 
by uh, attacking him, you know, head on with a lion. So this guy was just so strong that he grabbed the lion by its jaws, ripped it open, and killed it right there on the spot, and left it for dead. He goes about his business, comes back a couple of days later, you know, because he was prideful. He wanted to go see the lion that he killed, so he went back to go look at this lion that he killed. So the enemy knew that he, he, he didn't get him that way, so he said, like, well, how am I going to get this guy? So when he goes back and looks at this lion that he killed, he sees that there's, there's a bees making honey inside the carcass of this lion, and he knows this guy can't resist honey. If any of you don't know the story of Samson, check it out, because his downfall was women, lust, and, and I think that has something to do with the fact that the devil got him with the honey because he knew what was going to bring him down. The reason why the honey got him was not because, not because God didn't want Samson to have honey, but when Samson was born, he was a, uh, a Nazar Nazarite? Nazarite. Nazarite. And he was supposed to do three things. One, he was never supposed to cut his hair. Two, he was never supposed to drink any alcohol or eat anything with, with, uh, with grapes or raisins. And three, he was never, ever supposed to touch a dead body. Mm. So it wasn't the honey that brought him down, but it was the honey that enticed him to go over and stick his hand in, in, in a carcass of a lion. Mm. So that's, that's what the enemy did. The enemy knew that he was going to be able to entice this guy and, and cause him to fall, and that did start his downfall. So wow. it's, it's a good story. Check it out. So one uh, compromise yeah. leads to another. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite proverbs. There's a road that seems harmless enough. Look again, it leads straight to death and destruction. So that one, that one thing that he did to, to, to grab that honey and touch that dead body led him on a destructive path. He drank after that. Um, and then eventually he was with a woman who was trying to find out his secret. And she found out his secret and she cut all his hair off. And then he was able to get captured by the Philistines, and God took his spirit from him at that point. So wow. it, only, it only takes a little bit of honey to get a strong man. Amen. Why don't we do? Uh, why don't we worship the Lord? You got? You got? Yes, I will. You want to do that? Okay. We'll do. Yes, I will. Brandon, you want to pray us out? Let's everybody stand up. Brandon's going to pray, and, uh, and then Kareem's going to sing one more song, and then we'll be out. Lord God, I just want to, uh, want to thank you so much for this time that uh, all of us, brothers and sisters, are able to come together and just uh, worship you and learn more about you and understand you more and just hear everybody's uh, point of view of, of, of their personal experience with the same God that we all serve, Lord, the same spirit that we serve, Lord God. Uh, I just ask that you just bless everybody in this time, that you bless this, uh, this final worship we have for today, Lord, and uh, that everybody gets home safe. Thank everybody for coming out, and that we just come together in your name, just that, for our love for you, and our, uh, our love for you, and, and what you do in our lives, Lord. Thank you. That we can serve you any way, uh, that we can just go out, and, and many testimonies that these trials bring greater testimonies of what you do in our lives uh, through our trials and tribulations, Lord, that at the end of it is glory and holiness because we're serving you, the one true God. I uh, I love you. Uh, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Dry bones rise up. Dry bones rise up. Let's get that. Let's get a worship song going. You got this? Hallelujah. So what do I got to do?